Alright, we're, we're doing 1 Samuel, finishing it up today, and then getting into 2 Samuel, assuming we actually cover everything that we plan to cover. <coughs> That's not a given, but it's close. There, there is a lot. I, yeah, I wish we could kind of alternate between 1 Chronicles and 1 Samuel, and then we'd have slow weeks and heavy weeks. We could, I mean, that's I think we've mentioned before that David is a foreshadowing of somebody in the New Testament. Yeah, he's foreshadowing of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was called the son of David, which he was descended from David, of course. So a lot of the things that David went through really illustrate things in the life of Jesus. I'll give you an example. When um, when David went to visit his brothers, they were fighting against the Philistines. Um, you remember that Goliath came out and everyone was scared and David started asking questions. And Who was it that was giving him grief about this? Yeah, one of his brothers. And then you recall in the New Testament, Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. Now they did after he was raised from the dead, but they did not believe in him when he was when he was preaching. That's just one of many examples of where the, what David went through foreshadowed what Jesus went through. Um, think about when he fought Goliath. Does that foreshadow anything in Jesus' life? Yeah, Goliath really represents the devil. And and um, so and and how did David fight against Goliath? What? By faith in God. Yeah, by faith in God. Um, from a human perspective, he was in he was far poor, more poorly armed than Goliath. Um, all he had was his sling, his stones. And God. <laughs> yes, he'd used the, this wasn't the first time he'd ever slung a stone into something. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm sure as a shepherd, he had a lot. As there were times when he had plenty of time on his hands, he could practice a lot. <laughs> um, and, and in those days, actually, slingshots were, were even used in war. There were, um, just like they had. Uh, archers, they also had slingers that would go and sling stones. Um, and we're now coming to a part of David's life that I think illustrates another part in, in Jesus' life. David is going to have to run away from Saul. He, he Saul wants to kill him. So you have, you have the, the, the king who's not faithful to God... Who, who is an enemy of the one that God has picked to be the true king. And in Jesus' life, of course, you have... Um, well, I guess the closest parallel to this would be when Herod killed all the little boy babies trying to get, get to Jesus. But even at the very end of Jesus' life, you have the people saying, we have no king but Caesar. I mean, they don't want the king that God has picked for them. Just like with David, so we're um, we're in this section called David and Saul. Um, 
and unfortunately it's uh, the farther we go the, the worse it looks for Saul he's just um, what was what was that first sin he committed that first the presumptuous yeah, he wouldn't wait the whole seven days, and he, he went insisted on offering the offering before Samuel got there. And then the worst, the one that made it far worse was what? The other sin. He was commanded to do something by God. Destroy all the Amalekites, and basically he just didn't. And that's when he was rejected as being a king. The first time he is. He was rejected from having a dynasty. The kingdom wouldn't last in his family. But the second time, he was just rejected as being a king. And um, Then when he figures out that David must be the one who's going to be king, and, and interesting enough, he was right. He didn't know that David had been anointed, but he could, he could easily see that there, David was the only one around that, <laughs> that could, could possibly make it. And so he's determined to get rid of him Sad, very sad. I mean, a person who started out so good. You remember what was the name of that town that he rescued? They were going to get their bright eyes poked out. James Gilead. Yeah, he started out so well, and now, it, 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 by the time we get done, it seems like he has time for hardly anything except to chase David. Um, he's got the entire army out combing the woods trying to find uh, David. All right, we're we're in um, chapter nineteen. Let me see here. Oh yeah, we're going to get into Second Samuel, which the first four chapters David comes king over Judah, which is all the farther we're going to get this time. Um, we'll just use a map here. Um, in chapter nineteen. Um, David keeps getting in trouble when he plays the harp for um, uh, for Saul. Saul gets these evil spirits, um, which we read earlier that God was the one sending this on him. And he tried to spear David to the wall. David escaped. And I think in the past David had, and and even this time, David had seen that you know once the Passion passes, Saul gets over it, and you know everything goes back to normal. And who was it that told him this time it wasn't going to happen? Yeah, it was his own wife, who was Saul's daughter, and she realized that um, no, you know Saul's pretty determined this time. David was protected from Saul. By who? But. Ultimately, by God. That's right, and that's very important. That um, now. God used different means. In this case, He used His wife to protect him. She was the one that gave him the information that he, he better run. In fact, uh, he couldn't even go out the door. How'd he, have, how'd he get out? Yeah, she let him out through the window. We've had that before back in the days of Rahab. Um, and in this case, he, he escaped to Samuel. And Saul sent people to grab him from Samuel and every time they got there it, they would end up prophesying instead of <laughs> doing what they were sent to do. And finally Saul went there and the same thing happened to him. 
But it, that wasn't, it, he wasn't going to stay there permanently. Uh, David then went back to Jonathan, who was, of course, his best friend. Uh, you, I, don't, I don't really know of any story in the Bible of any friendship that's any closer than what it was between David and Jonathan. Um, Saul was Jonathan's father. Right, and 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 so Jonathan was really working against his own father, although his father was sinning. Um, and Jonathan was the one who had the the more to lose in this friendship. Um, and by the time it's over, Jonathan knows full well that David's going to be king. He would have been the king since he was oldest son of Saul. But it doesn't seem that he minded that at all. He he wasn't jealous of, of David. He was just he was loyal to the very end. Yeah, he, he David was going to be king, and he was going to be an assistant. <laughs> wow, you know what? What humility, and and really what what faithfulness. And it, it just um, the very few pictures that, anywhere of of anything more beautiful than what you have in this relationship between Jonathan and David. So. Well, yes, um, yeah. John the Baptist wasn't jealous of Jesus, uh, so you do have that picture. Um, yeah, uh, of course, all, a lot of pictures in these stories. Things we can we can see that God was setting up for the future. Um, this story tells about how David couldn't go back to see Saul, but Jonathan was going to um, work a little. Uh, arrangement to find out what Saul's true attitude was, and he soon found out it. And when Saul raised his spear even against his own son, <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Um, so David ends up running, and um, oh, I don't. This is this isn't my better um, my better map. Let me see what I've got. The next one's better than this. Yeah, we've got Nob on this map here. Um, it's a little bit north of Jerusalem. But what was that Nob? Yeah, that's apparently where the tabernacle was. You know, we know that originally the tabernacle was at Shechem, but um, it had gotten moved and and, and Shiloh. Um, so David went to get um, what from the priest? Yeah, yeah. You you kind of feel bad. I mean, you have to feel bad for David. David, and this is terrible. He went from being um, a trusted official in in the royal uh, palace to being an enemy of the state, and all the powers of the state are being used to, to capture him. Um, and of course, they've had TV shows and movies on the same theme. You know, the fugitive. <laughs> The police are after him, but he's a good guy. All that. Well, the reality is just a very difficult situation when you've got a, you know, the whole country against you. And here he doesn't even have food. He can't just, you know, knock on somebody's door and ask for food. Uh, you know, who knows who's going to turn him in? So he goes to the priest. He's he's well known to the priest, and he lies. Um, and I, we've mentioned before that not a, not everything that any of these people do is is recommended or, or approved of God. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, from his perspective, it looked like, you know, he's going to have to deceive the high priest, or else it's just not going to work. But what does it? What does his deceit end up doing? This this man that was so nice to help him out gets killed in just a, a short time from this. His whole family gets killed except for one son who escaped and came and hid out with David. Um, so it's just, it's a sad thing. I mean, we've seen lying going all the way back to the days of Abraham. You know, people of God just seem like um, that's just the way you 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 have to do is is their view. And time and again, God shows that's not the way you have to do. It doesn't work. Um, and of course, when Jesus comes along, Jesus Jesus certainly did not use lying. Um, he got in a lot of difficult situations, but it was always God who got him out, not not lying. And now we who are the body of Christ have to follow the same practice that Jesus did. Um, so he got he got food, even the food he wasn't supposed to have. What was that? Where'd the food come from? Yeah, it was actually the bread they put inside the tabernacle, and then on the Sabbath day they would take it out. Seven after it had been there for seven days, and then the the priest would eat it in a holy place. Um, that was all the food the man had. You know, the, I mean, this this illustrates the the, um, the poverty that of the situation. You know, the people people were not like us, where you could just you know open up the refrigerator and have five different things to choose from. I mean. So um, Ahimelech basically gave him what he was going to eat. And Jesus actually referred to this in the New Testament and showed that it was okay for David to do this. It was an emergency. And, and, and the um, you know, concern for David's life and his situation outweighed the, the rules that normally David would not be allowed to eat that food. Then from there, from Nob, he where did he go to? Went to Gath. Gath belongs to Philistines, um, and of course, if he could, if he's at the Philistine territory, Saul can't get him. But there was a big problem he ran into as soon as he got there. What was that? They were suspicious of this. They were suspicious, and what did he have to do to get away? Yeah, which where would he have ever learned how crazy people act? <laughs> Playing the harp, <laughs> watching Saul. Um, but again, a sad picture. This is not the way God designed David to behave, uh, running to the enemy and, and pretending to be uh, uh, mad. Um, so he then went to the cave of Adullam, and uh, there's Adullam. But, um, I, I understand you can still find the cave today, uh, and and his men would. Um, uh, a number of people gathered around him. At this point, it was about 400. Later on, it, the number went up to 600. People that were in various kinds of trouble and had reason to run away. Then he went to Moab, which is east of the Dead Sea. Any idea why he might pick Moab? Yep. Ruth was a Moabitess. And uh, 
she was yeah she was his great grandmother I believe uh, grandmother she was the grandmother of his dad so that would mean he, she was the great grandmother of course I mean she's dead by now I don't know that David ever met her but um, you know he did have some ties so um, why did he go to Moab Yeah, drop his parents off. His parents are probably too old to be able to hide out in caves like he's going to do. But their their lives are in danger from Saul. So he took them to Moab. Why didn't he stay in Moab? Chapter 22, verse 5. Yes, the prophet told him. It was not God's will that he spend this time hiding out in a foreign country. God wanted him back in Judah. And we're going to see shortly why that was, or at least one of the reasons. Of course, it had the disadvantage that it was, that was where Saul could get to him. Um, and, and, but there was, some, there was a work for him to do. Now, in the rest of chapter 22, we find you know, where Saul wreaks vengeance on the, the priests. Um, wiping out almost the entire family of Ahimelech. This, although the, the passage here doesn't say it, this was a partial fulfillment of what prophecy? Do you remember the high priest who was told bad things are going to happen to your family? Um, uh, Eli, the high priest and his sons who were jerks and sinning, and he, Eli wasn't restraining them, and so the prophet told him you know, how, how their punishment was going to overtake his family. We saw the beginning of that when his two sons died the same day, but that was only the beginning. This is a continuation of it. This is not the end. There's yet, yet to come when we get into 1 Kings. But this is part of the fulfillment of the prophecy against Eli's family. Now, in chapter 23, David learned the Philistines were fighting against Kilah. Um, and you see, he's in Adullam. There's Kilah really nearby. Um, whose job should it have been to rescue Kilah? Yeah, but Saul's busy <laughs> chasing David. So, now we see why God wanted him back in Judah. He's going to defend the people of God. And so he takes his band of, of men. He, they, he inquires of God first and... and Takes his band of men, and they go rescue Kyla. They kick out the Philistines. Then they stay in Kyla, and of course that leads to Saul chasing him. He has, you know, he finds out from God that it's not going to be safe to stay in Kyla. So off he goes, and then he, from there he moves down to the wilderness of Ziph. Now Ziph is a little bit southeast of Hebron. The wilderness would have been mostly to the east. Between Ziph and the Dead Sea was pretty much desert. I'll show you a picture in a moment. Um, and so, I mean, there would be underbrush and stuff like that, but you know, not, um, not fresh grazing land where it would be easy for people to live. And unfortunately, when he was in that area, the Ziphites turned traitor and, call, uh, and turned him into Saul. And I, the only, it doesn't say why. The only thing I can think of is they just wanted to, you know, get in the king's favor. There, there's always people who are willing to do that. Um, and, you know, Saul, in verse 21, this is chapter 23, verse 21, 
Saul says, May you be blessed of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. What a disgusting <laughs> statement to make. <clears throat> I don't think they had compassion at all. I think they're looking out for themselves. And, um, but anyway, they gave him the word, and, and Saul almost caught him this time. What, what was the thing that rescued David? Philistines. The Philistines are attacking. You got to come, and he had to, he had to take his army off and go get get the Philistines, and David got away. Well, David, at that point, he realized he can't stay around Ziph. So, at the end of chapter twenty-three, where did he go? Yes. Now, in Gedi is down here, right on the Dead Sea. And uh, so, I've got a few pictures of, of En Gedi here. Um, you can see just how barren this area is. It's just you know, desolate. I mean, this really looks like uh, the wet, you know, the American West, um, the Badlands, uh, that kind of area, where, where you have um, you know, these really narrow valleys where, you know, when it rains, you get this huge rush of water, just boulders and everything getting thrown around, but then for most of the year it's completely dry and, and, and desert. But there was a spring, that, and Getty Spring is right here, uh, which, I mean, you would think, well, right on the water you could just drink the water, but there was a big problem with this water. This is the Dead Sea. It's saltier than seawater. So, um, you, you know, you have to be somewhere where there's water. And that spring, this is, this is the water from the spring coming down into a pool uh, uh, down on on close to the Dead Sea. But here's a picture in the vicinity. This is the, and you can see the, the the old caves dotted around there and there were just lots of them. It's it's in this same region that the Dead Sea Scrolls were hidden when um, um, when the Romans were going to attack um, Jerusalem sometime before that. They took a bunch of scrolls and um, hid them in, um, in some caves. There's a number of caves that they put them in. They put them in clay jars um, and put them in caves, and they weren't discovered until the first one was discovered in 1948. Uh, there was an Arab shepherd boy who was throwing rocks into the caves, and he heard a noise and went up and found out that he had just broken one of the pictures that the skulls were in. Just what his mother told him not to do, so it's great. What's that? John's just making a joke. Um, So that's the region he's in. Uh, When um, Saul comes along, and he and his men are in one of these caves. I don't think one of the ones that was on the picture, but um, you know, uh, uh, they they had. From what I read, that there there's at least one cave in that area that they said had at one time. In history, he had thirty thousand men. <clears throat> I mean, they were, we're talking big caves. So, David and his men were at the back of this cave. Saul comes in to relieve himself, and he's in near the front. And this is the first of of David's chances to do what? To kill him. To kill him. <clears throat> Saul would have would have killed David if he had the chance. Self defense, that kind of thing. Uh, what's David's reaction to that? The Lord's anointed. He's not going to raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. If the Lord anointed him, the Lord's going to have to take him out, which the Lord eventually, of course, did. But instead, he he uh, does a slight little thing to Saul. 
Yeah, cuts a piece of his robe off when, when Saul is not looking. So then later on, he can come out of the cave when Saul's far enough away where Saul can't catch him. And, hey, you know, where'd this come from? Did he cut off a piece of his hair? No, no, it was a piece of his robe. Yeah. Which Saul, you know, Saul would have taken the robe off and laid it aside um, when he was doing his business in the cave. And so Saul... Saul sneaks up. I mean, David sneaks up and you know, just cuts a little piece off of the robe. If he would have cut his hair, that would have been like humiliating, right? That's not godly, right? Um, he would have been discovered if he cut his hair. <clears throat> I mean, Saul wasn't asleep here. I mean, if he tried to cut his hair off, Saul would have realized David was there, and then David would be toast. So, no, he's um. In fact, David kind of felt bad even about cutting off a corner of the robe just because even that wasn't very nice to Saul. But I wouldn't have felt bad about it. <laughs> hey, Saul's king. He can buy himself another robe any time he wants. And how else, how else is David going to prove what he could have done to Saul? That was, that was really what he was doing it for. And, and what's Saul's reaction when he finds out? Yeah, he feels terrible, you know. And... Um, he says in verse 20, this is chapter 24, I know that you will surely be king. And in verse 21, so now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me. Which was the usual behavior back then. You, new guy becomes king and kills all the relatives of the old king. So David, David promised him. Um, then in chapter 25, Samuel died. And at that point, David then moved farther into the wilderness. I think he realized that, uh, you know, Things are just getting more dangerous. And so he went down to um, the area down here. Um, again, uh, he's not near the Dead Sea, so it's not like complete desert. There are, uh, in this area, there was a lot of um, uh, sheep. They would they, they, you know, take them out in the wilderness and uh, graze the sheep. And he went to that area and... Um, he and his men helped guard the, the sheep and the shepherds of the people of the towns. Um, they all were also uh, supporting themselves by, by making raids on the enemy because um, in this southern area there's all kinds of different people, uh, Bedouin living, Amalekites, some of the ones that hadn't gotten, that weren't nearby when Saul was, was killing them, for example. And so he waited until sheep shearing time, which of course is payday for a shepherd. And he sent ten of his men to go greet Nabal, because he knew he'd, Nabal was rich and he'd, he'd helped Nabal to have a really good year because he guarded them from the from raiders. And what kind of response did Nabal give them? Yeah, oh, very insulting. And Nabal was not the anointed of the Lord, so what did David decide he was going to do? He's gonna wipe him out. Yeah. Was that David decided that, or God told David that's what you're gonna do? It was David decided that. No, God, this was not God's will. Um, you know, this was just David. And we we've mentioned before that um, not everything David does is right, and this is one of those cases where, and he realizes it by the end because who was it that that it was Nabal's wife, in fact, that that. Um, convinced David that this was going to be a big mistake to avenge 
himself. I mean, she talked about how, you know, when you become king, you don't want to be looking back and, and regretting what you've done here. Which is, I mean, if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense for us. How many things have we done in the past that we look back and every time we think about it, we regret it? Yeah, we should have listened to that one. That's right. How many times? Yeah, yeah. You know, at the time, what we were doing was just a lark, you know. Hey, you know, this will be fun for an hour or two, you know. Let's just, let's do it. And then, you know, just regret it for the rest of our lives. Um, hopefully, none of us have, have done anything as bad as to wipe out a whole family, <laughs> which is what David was planning to do. But any sin has that consequence where... Um, and, and And so it's a... It's a lesson she was giving him and giving to us. Um, you know, it may feel good for the moment, and which it would have been felt good for David at the moment to kill this guy that insulted him. But in the long run, um, it would be a matter of grief. So it was a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yes, <laughs> it was a it was a knee-jerk reaction, which is usually how we get into sin, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. But we do see David's strength of character and that he, he does uh, receive correction from humble Isn't Israel. that wonderful? Yes. The, yeah. see it again what? the prophet comes to him and tells him the story about the rich yeah. man who takes his sheep. You can see how this is a man after God's own heart. When when he's humble enough to be rebuked by a woman. Um, now she did it in a very tactful way. Um, but uh, that's he was willing to listen to her, um, and it really it really reflects very good on on David. And you can see why he's a man after God's own heart, even though he does make his mistakes. And God God showed His approval when David didn't kill Nabal. What did God do? He killed Nabal. God has the right to do that. We don't. And David then um, married. His widow Abigail. I'm sure he realized that you know if she helped him out in that situation, she could be very useful to have um, in in many other situations. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, we hear about his nephews. Joab was one of his nephews, so he'd be the son of. I think he was the son of David's sister. Um, I don't. I don't know if we hear about his brothers or not. That's an interesting question. I would have thought they would have been with him even in the cave, and they might have been. But I, um, we'll have to just watch and see if we can find them. Uh, they may be. There, there's a list of various heroes at the end of First Samuel. We'll have to watch and see if they show up there. My guess is they were part of his 400 men, but but they're not listed by name. So other questions. Um, well, um, the Ziphites again, chapter 26. Um, of course, you see when the, uh, in um, Maon and Carmel were the two cities where this previous story took place, so he's still pretty near Ziph. Ziphites turn him in again. And Saul comes out with 3,000. I think he's with his 3,000 men again. And I don't think, maybe it doesn't say, but that's how many he had in his army. And he brings his army a lot. Um, 
This time, it wasn't the Philistines that got David to escape. How did how did it, the story end in this case? It wasn't the Philistines. No, it wasn't the Philistines in this case. This is chapter twenty-six. Saul's <clears throat> army asleep. Yeah, God put the whole army to sleep, and David apparently realized it, and he went in with his nephew Abishai. And what did they take? Yeah, Saul's spear and his jug of water. And of course, you can see from the pictures I was showing, a jug of water is pretty important in that, in that neighborhood. But he's not going to keep it. This is just evidence of where he was and what he could have done. And so again, Saul feels so terrible. You know, I, you know sin, this is just so bad. Um, and of course, David's smart enough not to trust Saul. You know, this... Um, this whole thing's going to happen again and again. Except that in chapter 27, David figures out a way to solve the problem once and for all. And what is that? Yeah. And what town did he go to? He first goes to Gath. Yes. He went to Gath over here. One of the five chief Philistine cities. Um... And this is another one of these sad stories. I, I can't imagine this is what God wanted for him to to take refuge with the enemy. And the only way he can continue to do this is by lying. And and he does lie. He, he to support him and his men, they go out raiding. And and they, they're raiding in the in the southern area down here, you know, knocking off Amalekites and other enemies of God's people. But whenever they come back with all this loot they tell the king of Gath they've been knocking off people of Judah, you know, Israelites. And so he thinks, wow, you know, there's no way that he can ever go back to Israel. He's made himself a big jerk to them. He's a big traitor. So it's just a bunch of lies. And it's hard, to, it's hard for him to keep, keep this lie going when he's living in, in the same city with the, the king of Gath. So he asks for a town, and the king of Gath gives him this town of Ziklag. <clears throat> which originally belonged to Judah, then it was given to Simeon, but apparently the Philistines had taken it, so now they've given it to David. And um, so David's far enough away now, it's a little bit easier for him to carry on his, de- his deceit. And then this takes us to the end of, um, of Saul here. Um, in chapter 28, they're going to have a big battle. And I don't even know if you'll be able to read the words on this map from the back. But uh, here's the, from Gath and these other towns, they go up the, the coastal plain all the way up here to the valley of Jezreel to have a, a huge battle. Now this is, this is way outside where the Philistines normally are. And apparently they've got big plans. That they, they want more than just to, to control the southern part of Israel. They want to, you know, if they, could, if they can win a battle up there, they've cut the land in half and, and they basically control the whole thing. What would it be like for us to go to a spiritual meeting in these days? I mean, in this, it's like you go to a spiritual meeting at this point blank, a spiritual meeting. What have we got these days that people do the same thing? Well, have you heard of people that hold seances? I haven't heard of them. I mean, I've been involved in some pretty sticky situations, yeah. but 
Yeah, well, there are people in this country that do that, that hold seances, and, and they claim to be able to communicate with dead people. It's the very same thing today as what was going on back then. Yeah, very same thing. Now, what what was the command about these people in the Law of Moses? Yeah, they, they, they were you're not to go to a medium or a spiritualist. They're, they're to be put to death. And apparently Saul had been doing that. He'd actually been putting these people to death. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's like, you know, does he care about God? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know what, what it was with him. Um, before we... Um, Yeah, we've got. There's two stories going on, and, and um, I guess I better do the stories in the order that it comes in here. Chapter 28 is the story of of Saul. Uh, Saul wants to know what's going to happen, and he asks the Lord, and the Lord doesn't answer him. Well, let me ask this: Was God was Saul really wanting to know the will of God? No, <laughs> he certainly was not. Um, his his attitude is really the attitude of a lot of people today. They want to use God. It was like Balaam, you remember? Um, I mean, it's so many people they they want to use God. God, tell me what what what's going to happen. God, help me out of this situation. God, help me to get this job I'm trying to get. But that's very different from God. What would you have me to do? And and. Um, all the people of the other lands had the same attitude toward their gods. I mean, they're idols. You know, you worship these idols because then they'll give you victory. You worship these idols because then they'll help you to have children. They'll give you your crops and all these things. Superstition. It's not faith. And so Saul is inquiring of God. God doesn't answer. So, hey, I'll go to a medium. The exact thing God says don't do. But... Saul's not concerned about what God's will is. Saul just wants to use God to get his get answers for himself. And and he he feels like he's he's gotta know what's gonna happen. So find find a, a, a medium. At he's camped here on Mount Gilboa. The uh, Philistines are camped at Shunem, across on the other side of the valley. Behind that is this, this town of Endor. So he's got to go kind of around. Uh, he doesn't want to go straight through Shunem, go around to get to Endor. Um, but he, he, two of his um, servants take him there and he disguised himself. And this woman... Now, I don't, I, I don't know of anywhere in the Bible that teaches that anyone can really talk, talk to dead people. And, the, and certainly the people that do it today are frauds. In one way or another, they're, they're deceiving people. Is it really a fraud? Because Marilyn Manson cuts himself and takes in sorcery circles and he makes contact with evil. Well, I, it's, it's a different matter making contact with evil versus making contact with dead people. <coughs> um, I mean, j- just imagine if... If someone like Samuel, who's served God all of his life after Samuel dies, if someone like Samuel is at the beck and call of mediums who are doing what God tells them not to do, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And why would God allow someone who is sinning like that 
to call someone back from the grave that's been good and is now in, uh, in living with with God. I mean, they can't do that. Um, well, he raised him from the dead. That's very different from talking to a dead person. Yeah. Um, but these people are not. They're not the son of God. Or they're not serving the son of God. They they are are. They're trying to get some kind of power through these occult means. And and you can understand why people would would be fascinated by mediums because you, you it seems like people that have died would have you know extra powers over people that are alive. They would have extra knowledge over what people alive have. So if you could communicate with them, you could find out things that you could use in this life. And that's exactly what Saul wants to, wants to do. He wants to find out what's going to happen tomorrow. We've got a big battle. What's going to happen? And so I don't believe that this woman has ever successfully brought back a dead person until this, this one time. And she seems to be as surprised as anybody. <laughs> she was pretty shocked. And she realizes then, you're Saul. You know, why have you deceived me? And, but Samuel really came back this time and he told Saul, Saul wanted to know what's going to happen, so he told him what's going to happen. Tomorrow, you and your sons are going to be dead just like me. And wow, he was in bad shape after that. But he finally got up, ate, went back to his camp and got ready for the next day, knowing full well. How would you like to go into a battle knowing ahead of time what's going to happen? I wouldn't go. <laughs> then you can't be king. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, chapter 29, we changed, we changed the view here. <clears throat> Achish, the king of Gath, and each of these five Philistine cities has a separate king. So they serve as a council of kings. And the king of Gath brings, brings David and David's men. You know, adding 600 men to the, the battle, this is great. <clears throat> but they only get up as far as Aphek here when the other Philistines are looking around and saying, who are these guys? What are they doing here? Which you have to give them credit. They were right. It would have been incredibly dangerous to have David in the battle. He's been lying to Achish this whole time. And Achish has just believed him. And it, it, again, as I said, this is just a very sad picture to have someone that, you know, we're reading, this is the hero of the story, and we, we read what he's doing, and we feel like, oh, I, I don't, I wish it wasn't the case. But that's the way the Bible, the Bible just tells it like it is. And even people of faith um, had their sins and, and made their mistakes. But anyway, God rescues David and his men from what would have been an awkward situation to be on the wrong side in this battle and they get sent back as soon as they get back what do they discover has been going on while they were gone yeah a bunch of Amalekites had come in and raided of course see David's been raiding Amalekites which they know that so they go and raid from Aphek he comes all the way to Ziklag and, and they've burned the whole place down taken everybody captive all the sheep and everything else and um, what, have he, what have his men talk about doing yeah, they're going to stone him. Um, it's you know what loyalty you know they've been following him all this time and now he makes a mistake and you know let's put him to death. Uh, they're all they all feel pretty bad, of course, and um, they're probably hungry too. I mean, they were looking forward to getting a nice meal when they come back home. Everything's gone. <coughs> um, but David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, you know, go after him. You're going to get him. And they went after them. They got down here. There's a brook called Besor, which most of these brooks in this area are dry. 
like 11 months out of the year. Um, I don't know whether there was water in the brook when they got to it or not, but there were there were 200 who were too exhausted even to cross the brook. Yeah. Occasionally they said that David would ask them to bring the ephod. What is that? The, 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 yeah, the ephod. That was the, the, the breast piece of the high priest. And inside it, in the pocket, were the Urim and the Thumb, the two stones they would use to talk to God with. And Abiathar was the one son who escaped when, when his dad and everyone else was killed. And when he came, he brought this ephod, which no doubt had the Urim and the Thumb in it, so he could communicate with God with that. We don't know how. We don't know how those stones worked. But uh, that's, he could get answers from God. Yeah. Um, so they did. They managed the 400 that had had enough strength to make it the whole way. They got to the Amalekites, wiped them out, except for 400 who had camels, and they, they were able to get away. Um, got all got everybody back. None of their none of their wives or children had gotten killed. Like sheep and everything. And then as soon as they got back to the 200 men they left behind, what what was the suggestion made? Those guys shouldn't get in. Yeah, they don't. Give them their wives and children and send them off. <laughs> Just David has to deal with this, but all this is 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 giving him experience for when he's going to be king because he is king over these people and he's leading them. And, and uh, even though they don't have the faith in God that he has, he has a moral power because of that. And and when he tells them the way it's going to be, everyone realizes. You know, that's right, really, it's right. <laughs> they were just trying to be selfish. And finally, the last chapter, and of course you know that originally the book was first and second Samuel, this isn't the end of the book, but the last chapter, first Samuel, um, they did have the battle. Saul did get killed. Um, although in fact he rather than letting the Philistines kill him, what did he do? Fell on his sword, yeah. Yeah, there's just a few people in the Bible that took their own lives. And, of course, the most famous is who? Judas. Yeah, Judas Iscariot. Um, betraying Jesus. And there's a relationship here with Saul, of course, <laughs> trying to kill David. Um, when the Philistines finally found the bodies, they, um, they chopped his head off and sent it to their, their idol temple. What did they do with his body? He hung it up on the wall of Bethshan here. Uh, now Bethshan was an Israelite city, but once the Philistines won, the Israelites all ran. They, they just abandoned their cities and ran off because the Philistines basically had control of everything. So, so that was their city at this point. But it didn't stay there. Who rescued it? Yeah, across the Jordan here, David Gilead. Where have we had those guys before? The very first act of Saul was to rescue them. And now the very last act of Saul, they remember that. And, and, and you read the story and think, that is heartwarming, that these guys would remember. And, and it says they walked all night, grabbed the bodies, took them back, buried them respectfully, and then they fasted for seven days for Saul. Um, just, I mean, a sad ending for Saul, but at least... Um, somebody remembered his better days. There was a time when he, when he'd really been 
the anointed of the Lord. Well, this is not a bad place to stop. We'll we'll take up next week with the beginning of Second Samuel, going all the way through chapter fifteen.